three men, six foot one, six foot two, and six foot three, pouring a drink, talking about stuff, and singing. Three men, six one, six two, and six three. That's eighteen and a half feet of awesome. Welcome everybody to eighteen and a half feet of awesome. Movie edition. We are three tall fellas talking about stuff, singing a few songs, and drinking. I'm Jay, and I'm going to be your host. And I'm flying solo today as I review the 1981 horror film Halloween 2, which is a direct sequel to 1978's horror classic Halloween. This was released on October 30th, 1981. It was made on a $2.5 million budget and was directed by Rick Rosenthal. Original Halloween director and writer John Carpenter wrote this screenplay along with his then-girlfriend Deborah Hill. And without any further ado, we're going to go ahead and roll the trailer. I shot him six times. I shot him in the heart. He's not human. Universal Pictures presents Halloween 2. More of the night he came home. Okay, I'm going to go ahead and stop you right there. More of the night he came home. It's like later on, on that night that he was home. Who is it? There was nothing within him, neither conscience nor reason, that wasn't even remotely human. Some kind of a joke? I've been trick-or-treated to death tonight. You don't know what death is. Janet, go tell Mr. Garrett we're having trouble with the phones. There is no place to hide. He will always find you. What's this? It's a Celtic word. It means the Lord of the Dead. with kind of a um, recap of what happened at the end of 1978's Halloween, which I thought was kind of cool. But I didn't love the updated music, the kind of synthesized additions to the piano. Um, I've seen a lot of reviews of this movie. A lot of people like it. I kind of don't. One thing I'll say is that when it shows Michael being shot and then falling off the balcony of the house, he's 
walking on the same level as the top of the railing. I've never seen a deck or a patio or anything like that where the floor of it is at the same height as the top of the railing, but apparently it is in this case. It's always bugged me, always thought it was weird. Where it starts to kind of differ from the original is when Loomis looks over the balcony to see Myers gone, which is an iconic scene from the original movie. And the ground where Michael was laying looked like Midwest in the fall. Instead, now he's in the front yard and Loomis looks out and it's bright green grass that looks like North Carolina in the springtime or something like that. It just didn't convey fall in the Midwest to me. So on a budget of nearly 10 times what they had for the original, they really didn't spend much of it to try to capture a uh, look of the Midwest. It's sort of legendary from the original film that the length they went to to try to make California look like a fictional town in Illinois in the fall, around Halloween time, by taking old leaves and having to recycle them and use them in scenes and rake them up and reuse them. And instead, with a bigger budget, they just, I don't know, it looks like green, bright green grass. I didn't i didn't like that. It kind of took away from the mood and the setting of the original that they did so well. So after the uh, opening title card, then we see a reporter in front of the Wallace house who's reporting on the murders that just took place. And the sort of deserted streets sense that you got from the first movie, which gave it sort of a, a feeling of dread, which I, I kind of liked, um, is sort of different now with the teaming with reporters and cops and everything else. And now it's sort of become like a real thing. But whether I like it or not or whether you like it or not, I can't talk about the guy who's reporting from in front of the Wallace house without making mention of the fact that he was in Kentucky Fried Movie as a reporter in that one as well, saying, I'm not wearing any pants, film at 11. The popcorn you're eating has been pissed in, film at 11. Michael has now gotten up off of the first day of Wimbledon grass and gone to the Elrod's house nearby. Uh, the Elrod's are an older couple, and she's making a sandwich, and he takes a butcher knife and walks out. He doesn't kill either of them. But his first victim in this movie is Alice, who is a neighbor of the Elrods, who hears Mrs. Elrod screaming when she finds blood on the cutting board. Uh, they don't answer. I don't know why they don't answer. They didn't get killed or anything. And so even though Alice doesn't get an answer from the Elrods when she shouts out to him, she goes back and gets back on the phone with her friend. And Michael was in there. Some pretty cool scenes of him stalking around. And then he, uh, he stabs her. And then we notice right away that, okay, well, this movie's going to have blood in it where the other, where the original did not. Uh, but what I don't like is when he when he kills her, you see Michael's eyes. Um, this is Dick Warlock, who's now playing the character of Michael Myers with the shape. Um, but I didn't I didn't like that at all. Where you could see his eyes, I I liked it way more when the eye holes were just black. I found it disturbing. I found the it sort of conveyed the there's not really humanity behind there. But when you see his eyes, I I did not dig that at all. The next scene is the police arriving at the Wallace house, or they're still at the Wallace house, and it still looks way too green to be Halloween night in Illinois, and Lori's being wheeled out by the EMTs, and the area where Michael fell in the front yard now, apparently, is definitely not being roped off as a crime scene or anything like that. People are pretty much just trampling all, all over this, <laughs> this scene. Uh, which is, you know, okay. That's it's still it's a it's a Halloween movie, so I so I like it. I'm not really trying to shit all over the movie. It's just that that's something I always kind of found funny too. We switch now to a Haddonfield Memorial Hospital, and a mom brings in her child who's bitten into an apple that has a razor blade in it. That's pretty gross. I 
just I always remember being told that urban legend when I was a kid about razor blades and apples. And so if somebody gives you an apple when you're trick-or-treating, don't don't eat it. Uh, I also heard somewhere, I think it was from another podcast or something, that the re- amount of reported cases of apples sabotaged with razor blades is 0.0. Now we're back on the street, and Loomis, who, if you will recall, shot Michael six times. I shot him six times! Is riding around with Sheriff Brackett, and they see someone in a Michael Myers mask. It's called a Michael Myers mask at this point. And even though Michael Myers is still alive despite having been shot six times, six times, we know this is not really Michael Myers. Couldn't have shot him six times. The kid wearing the mask is struck by a cop car that then plows him into a van, which then blows up, so he's probably dead. Deputy Gary Hunt shows up at this point, not Mike, and tells Sheriff Brackett that three bodies were found across from the Doyle house, and one of them was Annie. One of them was Annie. And Annie being Brackett's daughter, that means that Brackett is now dismissed for the rest of the movie, and Deputy Hunt is our new cop of record. They jump into the cop car to go over to see about Annie and the other dead bodies that are there, with the kid just still there burning up against the van. Tough luck for him, I guess. Back at the hospital, we see Bud smoking some Bud in the hospital, because everybody does that. And Michael is headed to the hospital because he heard over a radio that Lori is there. Now we see Karen arriving at the hospital, and Michael arrives as well. The shape walks across the courtyard in full view of a security camera, but the security guard, Mr. Garrett, misses it as he's reading the paper, which just goes to show that anybody named Garrett just is not good at their job. That goes for the security guard, that goes for Mrs. Garrett from The Facts of Life, and that goes for my podcast partner in crime, Jay Garrett. I am kidding, of course, except about Mrs. Garrett. She's awful. But there is a cool scene right here at this point in the movie where Nurse Alves is dressing down Karen for being late, and Michael can be seen in the background standing in a room full of infants in the maternity ward. That's pretty creepy. That's pretty cool. I like to shit on this movie just for fun and goof on it because it just can't really stand up, in my opinion, to the original Halloween. But it's still that that scene and some others are really well done and pretty pretty cool in keeping with the tradition of the creepiness of the Michael Myers character. Somehow the phones in the hospital are not working, so they ask Mr. Garrett, the security guard, to go check on the phone lines. He walks outside into a loading dock-looking area, and we get a good jump scare when he opens a dumpster and a cat jumps out. They keep calling him Mr. Garrett, but it seems like he's kind of bumbling and maybe they would just like call him Claude or whatever his first name is, but uh, they're showing him some respect. And as Mr. Garrett continues to investigate, Michael pops out and MC hammers him with the backside of the hammer, which is why I figured his name is Claude. We cut to the Myers house, which is now being pelted by the townspeople. Officer Hunt and Loomis are on the scene there, and uh, Hunt is a smoker, and I guess Loomis isn't. He offers him a cigarette, and Loomis just takes it to shut him up. Then he offers him a yellow lighter, which Loomis also takes, and that will come into play later. And I think we've determined, they say it's a little bit after 11 o'clock, which means the events of the evening uh, from the original Halloween took place kind of early evening, and I just never really got that impression. I sort of got the feeling it was after midnight when all the stuff went down with Lori and, and the kids, but I guess not. Back at the hospital, Karen and Bud meet their fates at the rehab tub as Loomis and some cops check out a school where Michael has been. And there's a knife uh, in a crayon drawing of a family, and the knife is on the sister in the drawing. I don't have any idea how the knife is standing. It's barely into the desk, but that's just a 
weird little flaw. Otherwise, you probably wouldn't be able to see the picture. And I don't want to just gloss over the scene with uh, Karen and Bud dying because that's a pretty iconic scene in there where she's getting dunked into the hot tub by, by Michael and his dirty hands that she's kissing. A nurse finds Dr. Mixter with a needle in his eye, and she backs away, and it reveals Michael in a callback to the first movie. And this was really well shot, where he just kind of comes into focus out of the darkness. And so that was credit where it's due. That's really cool. And the nurse takes a syringe to the temple from Michael, and as she slumps to the ground, though, the the Michael mask is starting to kind of show the fact that it's been sitting in a closet, I guess, or under a bed or something I read that for quite a long time because this mask looks like it had a stroke. So Michael is roaming through what seems to be the darkest hospital halls ever. And that's another point that I sort of noticed about this movie, that it's just, I don't know what the population of Haddonfield is, but it seems like there's about six employees of this entire hospital. And there's probably 20 babies in that maternity ward. This just seems desperately understaffed. But uh, Michael enters Lori's room with a scalpel, and he stabs what he thinks is Lori, but it's just a bunch of pillows that Lori has staged, and she's now seen limping away. We then see Jimmy, the EMT, and he finds Mrs. Alves, who has been bled out in a room that says minor surgery, even though that actually seems like kind of major surgery if you're going to bleed somebody out. But Jimmy slips and falls in the blood onto the floor and appears to be either knocked out or dead. And because the phones aren't working, Nurse Jill goes to her car to drive down to the sheriff's station, only to find that her car won't start. It appears that it won't start because the tires are flat. Okay. She goes back inside the hospital and finds Lori roaming around the halls. Michael steps up and stabs Nurse Jill, lifting her off the ground, and her shoes fall off. When I first saw this movie, I did think that was pretty badass. Seeing that happen puts a little pep in Lori's step, as you would think it might. She's got a little bit more speed as she's running away from Michael in the hallway, and she goes around a corner that always makes me think of that breakfast club scene when they're going around the corner in the hallway. But it's a really good chase scene that kind of goes on from here throughout the hospital. And... Um, like in the first Halloween movie, it seemed to be lit up blue. And this is kind of in the point where Halloween 2 seems to kind of be lit up in red. So there's Halloween blue and Halloween red. Loomis is being escorted by a marshal someplace. I don't really remember where. And he gives another one of his famous uh, monologues, this time to Nurse Chambers, who's returning from the first movie. And when he's done, she seems to literally roll her eyes like, anyway. But she tells Loomis that she has found out that Lori is Michael's sister. Big plot point, one that was ignored in the 2018 Halloween movie. Having made it out to the parking lot after that chase, Lori now kind of struggles to get back into the hospital, and she sees uh, Loomis and Chambers and the marshal arrive. This was really kind of a cool scene, as she couldn't really muster up like a scream or the ability to make any more noise until the instant that Loomis and his party are like just out of earshot frustrating but it was kind of a cool scene it's like something that happens in nightmares loomis manages to let her into the hospital just in time but michael walks right through the glass door if you've listened to podcasts about this movie a lot of people talking about how that would be pretty much impossible so i don't really need to touch on that uh loomis shoots him five times i shot him six times nope you shot him five times but even after all that, Michael does manage to get up, and he slashes the throat of the marshal, who wouldn't listen to Loomis and got too close. The only thing tougher than Michael is apparently Lori's ankles, which have been through crazy amounts this night. She fell down the steps at the house. She ran through the hospital. She fell out of a window. Just lots of her ankles are pretty badass. Michael continues to stalk Lori and Loomis through the hospital, and this time they go into the major surgery room. 
And this is one of the scenes where I really wish that that mask had been better preserved. I think if they knew they were going to make a movie, they would have done it because it's just kind of off-putting seeing it in this way. It's just not, it doesn't look good. And this isn't really meant to be a knock on Dick Warlock. I feel like he did a pretty good job portraying the shape in this movie, taking the role that Nick Castle made famous in the, in the first movie. Inside of the major surgery room, Michael has stalked Laurie, and Laurie shoots him in both eyes, which is really a pretty iconic scene with the blood dripping out of his eyes. Loomis gets Laurie out of there, and then he starts turning on all the various gas valves, and he blows up the room by using that little yellow lighter that he got earlier that he stole earlier, I should say. Engulfed in flames, Michael staggers out of the room and he falls face first, uh, apparently burning to death, it would seem. I always thought that was a pretty cool scene. And and how is he going to survive that? He's got flames coming out of his eye holes. So it seemed pretty definitive at the time that Michael was finally dead. There's one cool-looking final scene as the ambulance that's carrying Lori rides off into the foggy morning, probably to a hospital that hasn't blown up. And speaking of the blown-up hospital, this sort of always bothered me, too. There was, like, a lot of babies in there, in that hospital, and Loomis just blew it up like it was nothing. But, you know, plot points. Uh, Mr. Sandman begins playing, and the credits roll. End of film. All right, I am going to grade this film a 6. As a big fan of the original Halloween movie and then having a movie that starts right on the heels of that I was pretty excited and so I'm gonna like it but uh, I can't really give it much better than a six just because of kind of all the holes in it and and over time it's really only gotten kind of more comical in that way but I'll give it a six which is better than average and that will do it for my review slash discussion of 1981's Halloween 2. If you'd like to become a sponsor of our podcast you can contact us through our Facebook page at 18 and a half feet of awesome You can also follow us there, listen to other episodes on Spotify, Breaker, Google, Anchor, and many other fine podcast services. Please leave comments and ratings, too. For 18 and a half feet of awesome, I'm Jay, and we'll talk at you soon. 